What's up, Beardos? You're listening to a classic episode of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to don't be a jerk. Don't really answer your question first. I'm not answering your question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we continue our winter break interview series with a classic interview from the archives as we bring back Derek Doomy Bay, the founder and owner of Redefine Your Mind. Paul, I am so, I am so excited yes. that we're actually bringing back some older episodes, some older interviews, because you know what iTunes does? For us, at least, it only shows the last 100 episodes that we've done. And so this thing was happening where as we peaked past 100 episodes it started not showing episode one episode two episode three and at first i was really excited because i was like Ugh, what a horrible <laughs> what a horrible <laughs> mess those first few episodes were in terms of production quality and us kind of figuring out what we were doing but that also kind of made me a little bit sad as we were losing certain interviews and obviously people can always go to thebeardvegans.com and follow the links to the commentist where the archives are but I think for a lot of people, if they're not seeing it in that iTunes 100, it does not exist. So I was like glad that people weren't starting on the first episode, but I was also sad that they were losing out on some interviews because for the first, I want to say 15, 20 episodes maybe, we had an interview for almost every single show that we did, which made our episodes way too long because we had a, <laughs> a discussion and then an interview, which is usually like an hour long discussion and like a 45 minute interview and like who would ever stick around for that. But uh, I am I'm really happy that we're bringing back some of these older episodes. Me too. You know, Andy, I did not know that iTunes deleted <laughs> episodes like that. Or I did not know that you couldn't find episodes if they were if there were more than 100 of them. So that stinks. <laughs> but like Andy <laughs> well, said, it's not like that for every podcast. Like for instance, if you go to the vegan warrior princesses attack iTunes, you can go all the way back to episode one on theirs. I noticed that, you know, when, whenever I looked at their iTunes last and uh, for ours, it's not that way. So interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to discuss with our, uh, our tech person about that <laughs> but like Is that you are you now our tech person <laughs> no that's still rob <laughs> but speaking of rob and and speaking of something that you just mentioned andy you, if you want to check out all the episodes you can go to the commentist.com the commentist.com the place for comments <laughs> <laughs> you know paul I, i'm planning on putting our our commentist promo for this episode in the bloopers of this one because it's a it's a it's gold it's gold baby <laughs> Oh, good, good. Yes. So uh, <laughs> before Andy and myself migrated over to thebeardedvegans.com, and I mean, we're still technically a part of the commentist, but we used to do <laughs> promos every single episode for the commentist. And I feel like our, our promos got increasingly silly and very enjoyable. And <laughs> and I'm and, and it's fitting that now that we're, we're reminiscing about those times that uh, you I'm glad that you're going to put that into the into the bloops. 
Well, I think that like the commentist promos were like bloopers before we started doing bloopers. True. And true. I, I'm wondering how many people listening right now are like, there's bloopers on this show. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of the whole podcast are the bloopers. Oh, They're yeah. the thing that make me smile. And I was actually telling Chelsea this, uh, our guest from last episode, because Chelsea recently discovered the bloopers and they bring Chelsea great joy. And I said that when a new episode posts, I'll go and listen to the first minute or two just to make sure everything sounds okay. But then I'll often fast forward to the (laughs) bloopers just because it makes me smile so much. Yeah, the bloopers are great. I love that. They are definitely my favorite part as well. And I know I keep threatening this, but someday I'm going to take the time to go and just take do a supercut of all the best bloopers and we'll make that like a bonus episode. And then and then also a supercut of all the best Andy Droopy Dog impressions and that will be called Bloopy Bloopy Dog. <laughs> that would take so much more work to do than to just fast forward to the end of every episode it would, it would, yes. maybe like you know when, when you listen to like real professional podcasts and they're like thank you to our intern or whatever mm-hmm. that put this together maybe we'll have one of those someday but even with that i can't imagine how much like, that would just take hours like like hundreds of hours uh, hours is like yeah. understatement yeah it would take at this point, at least 160 hours of listening, if not more. Like, obviously, most episodes are more than an hour. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but, anyways, Andy, did I, I didn't mention this to you? This is oh, this is only fitting. When I went to that uh, that vegan mac and cheese festival that now we talked about two episodes ago, but only happened about one week ago. We had to figure that one out. Um, <laughs> I actually saw Doobie Bay at the mac and cheese festival. That's awesome. So Andy, you you we each chose one episode to to put into the classics. Why did you choose this interview for our for our first Bearded Vegans classic interviews? Paul, I know that the episode that you are choosing for next week is one that you feel is like really formative and something that we reference all the time, so there's a little little teaser right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. The one that I have chosen with with Doomy Bay I have just chosen it because this is an interview that brings me great joy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's not necessary. It didn't like give me new framework to look at veganism or anything like that. But Doomy is just um, a delightful, <laughs> delightful human being. Such a unique guy has such an incredible vegan transition story that we go over in this interview. And also, I mean, he is doing incredible work. He's doing work that I don't know anybody else is doing when he's sort of working with youth that have been going in and out of the the quote-unquote justice system and, and like working with them from a vegan lens there may be other people doing that but it's certainly not something that gets a lot of attention and i don't know anybody else that's doing that but more than all of that he's just a fantastic storyteller and there's there's like no episodes or interviews that I really go back to, but I actually go back to this interview and listen to it just because it's such an enjoyable interview. It's just something that brings me great joy. And since this is coming out the day after Christmas, for those who celebrate, I figured that this would be a nice present to leave at your doorstep (laughs) to sort of dust this off from the archives and bring you something that you probably didn't listen to because this was episode 10. Whoa. This was, right? So was that an ugh? Like, uh, 
That was like a whoa, like wow, I can't believe it was that old. <laughs> yeah, so this is older than the the classic interview that you are going to bring out next week. So I don't know. It's just it's just something that I feel like is such a an enjoyable interview. I love Doomy's storytelling, the metaphors that he uses, and just everything about it is just something that I wish more people heard because it's it's an episode that I think very fondly upon. And I, I don't know. I just like for people to hear it because I know most people getting into a podcast. I imagine most people getting into our podcast probably don't start at episode one. You know, mm-hmm. they probably find an episode topic that seems interesting to them that's in those those iTunes 100 and start there and then sort of pick and choose until they get on more of a regular schedule. And if I had my say, Andy, nor should they start at episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've talked about this, but we really want to at some point put together a are you new to the podcast? Start here, like a list of like five episodes for people to start with to get them into the podcast. If you are listening and you feel like I know the perfect episode for a first time listener, send us your suggestions to thebeardvegans at gmail.com. That's a good idea, Andy. That is a very good yeah. idea. And so, so these are classic episodes. We're bringing them back. I thought when you, when I said episode 10, you went, ugh, because you're like, clearly the sound quality is not great on that. <laughs> Uh, the sound quality, not great on this interview. <laughs> I, re- I remember I have cleaned it up and um, I've edited it a little bit, tightened up a couple of things, made things sound better to the best of my ability. Uh, I remember recording this outside of, I think, a Starbucks, like using their Wi-Fi, like in my van. And Doomy also like pulled over somewhere to record this like just in his car so you can definitely hear traffic uh (laughs) during the interview at certain times but i I still think it's a really enjoyable uh, um, episode nonetheless a really great interview yeah and we hope that you enjoy it too especially if it's your first time listening to it yeah absolutely and uh if if this is your first time listening to the show definitely listen to this interview but but go back a couple of episodes and get a taste of what the the normally formatted episodes are i guess well go back more than a couple because because going back a couple is still just interviews. <laughs> go back, go back to 160 or earlier. There you go. There you go. Perfect. But not 160 because that one's atypical as well. What? It's a mailbag. I, mean, I guess. I guess it's a typical to every 10 episode. I'm gonna stop Tip- talking. I'm gonna stop talking and let let people listen to this interview now. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, Derek Doomy Bay of Redefine Your Mind. Let's let's get to this interview. Our guest today is Derek Doomy Bay, the founder and owner of Redefine Your Mind. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Well, you know it is my pleasure, of course, to have you on the show. So let's get this out of the way before we even really get started. Derek or Doomy, I've seen you called both. I've heard people call you both. I've called you both. Which do you prefer to be called from, and where did the name Doomy come from? I my full name is Derek Bay. I actually prefer to be called Doomy. Doomy is spelled D O O M I E. And the name itself came from family members who as they tell it when I was a little boy and wasn't able to talk. Whenever I wanted something, I would communicate by pointing to it and saying Doomy. So if I wanted to be picked up, I would say Doomy, Doomy, things like that. They just started it, it stuck. They started calling me that. I actually don't even like the name Derek. I prefer Doomy. But for business purposes, I don't like to throw people off. So I started adding uh, Derek to it. People will wonder where, you know, well, what's what's your name? And I didn't want to throw people off (laughs) when they're making money transactions. They trying to figure out who they're giving their card to. 
All right, so do me it is. And before we start to talk about redefine your mind, I always you know like to start at the beginning and hear what your journey to veganism looked like. And you're also heavily involved in yoga. So uh, at what point did veganism click? At what point did yoga click? What did that journey look like for you? My, I'll begin in the middle. I come from a two, two a traditional two parent household. Uh, however, there were uh, many many issues concerning the household. My father was uh, in and out of prison himself. My mom worked uh, worked government employee. She worked you know worked for a living. So she was my primary caretaker. Though my father was actually active in my life whenever he was home. I lost my father to a violent death when I was 14 years old out in the street. He got into a fight in the street, lost, and I started myself venturing out into street life myself. I ended up involved in a lot of uh, negative activity. Though I continued to go to school, I managed to, as as many people refer, straddle the fence. I managed to keep myself balanced. Well, eventually I fell off through a series of violent crimes and drug activity. I wound up getting sentenced to 14 years, seven months, which under federal guidelines, uh, I was mandated to serve a prison, a term of imprisonment of 12 years, four months. After, after, uh, during that time, I was in the federal system. Now, as it pertains to veganism, veganism, the, the, the journey to veganism began before the journey to yoga. And what happened with me was I was at the Washington, D.C. jail, which is like a detained, detained place in, in the city, in the inner city. And they had served what's called corned beef hash one morning. And I was, as as we called in, in prison, a tray monster. I would eat as much as I possibly could. And I ate like two or three trays of this hash, but it was it was bad. It was the the meat was rancid or something was wrong with it. And I got really, really sick. I ended up with food poisoning. Now, being twenty-three years old, I, I didn't you know, I didn't know. So uh, they they took me over to the hospital, but I vowed that I would never eat any of that meat in, at the jail again. Eventually, I, I got I was sentenced and I was sent out into the actual federal system. And the federal system, in terms of accommodations, for lack of a better word, were a, 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 a bit more abundant, and there were more options to choose from than it was at a local city jail. So I still stayed away from cow meat and. Uh, stuff like that, but I was still eating fish and I would drink cow's milk, but it was 2% cow's milk. And I would drink, I, I would eat cheese that's made from cow's milk. One morning I was at breakfast and one of the guys from the neighborhood asked me about uh, my eggs. He wanted my eggs. So he wanted to play what we called in prison, verbal gymnastics. He decided he was going to try to manipulate me out my eggs. So he Wanted to get quasi-intellectual, and he said, well, you don't eat chickens, but you eat the eggs, and chickens are eggs, so, you know, I don't understand why you're eating the eggs. Man, look, if you want the eggs, just eat the, take the eggs. So I gave him the eggs, and that's the last time that I actually ate eggs. I had to stop eating chicken. Now, just to give you a quick thing about the actual chicken, I had 
one day we we had been served chicken and and most times in prison they give you the the thigh and the drum the the leg and the thigh connection well when i got mine and i went to to break it apart it wasn't cooked all the way through and it was as if i could hear the tendons and the 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 the, the cartilage tearing and it and it turned my stomach especially when i saw how red and pink it was on the inside and the guys was like, you know, just go up there and get you another piece. And I said, you know what? I, I just don't want this. And I and I wouldn't eat it anymore. So it wasn't really anything spooky about what what, what caused my 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 you know my transition. Unofficially, I had become vegetarian and did not realize it. I wasn't in prison referring to myself as a vegetarian. I just that's just the way that I was eating. So I I would load up on vegetables and stuff. And because they did not serve fish that often, it's rare that you got fish, I said, you know, there's really no sense in me teasing myself. So even when they had fish, I would just get that away. Because I was like, well, slim and none. I'm, you know, it was just me doing this every once in a while. I'd eat the things that I can always eat. Once I was released, I I started learning about other options in grocery stores and stuff. But it wasn't until I ran cross paths with a woman named Brenda Sanders, who at that time was the executive director of an organization in Baltimore called Better Health, Better Life, that I started learning a lot about veganism and its connection to animal rights, animal exploitation, and the connection to the environment. Everything that veganism meant, I learned from Brenda. And I started not eating any animal products, but I still didn't quite get it. Now, when it really clicked for me, it was it was like an epiphany. I had gone to the National Zoo one day. I was bored, and I caught the subway train up to the zoo, and I was walking around and just kind of looking at the animals and stuff. And when I got down by where they kept the gorillas and the orangutans and, and, and those type, you know, primates, I got down there. And I started, it wasn't crowded that day because it wasn't a holiday and it wasn't summertime. And I and I got down there and I just started looking at the other beings. And the the the, the look in their eyes, it, they, they were so miserable. I was able to immediately connect. I was able to immediately connect in a way that let me know that these these animals don't want to be here. And at that precise moment, I realized that they were locked up too. But the difference between their incarceration and the, the incarceration that I had suffered, they hadn't been convicted of a crime. They hadn't even been accused of a crime. The only crime, quote unquote, that they had committed was being different. They weren't human. So for whatever reason or reasons, People decided that they wanted to take these beings and 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 place them in these makeshift habitats for our enjoyment and our education, as if you could actually take an animal or or creature from from his or her natural habitat and put them in a makeshift one and study them and actually learn what they're really about. So I started making the analogy to myself and human beings saying, I wonder how much people could actually learn about me by watching me in a jail cell. Because that's what society believes that they're doing when they go to the zoo. You ask most people about going to the zoo, first thing they say is, oh, well, you know, that's how we learn about the animals. So, I, you know, and, I, and I'm quick to respond, well, 
well, how much do you think you can learn about people by going to going to a prison? And they say, oh, oh you can't learn. Well, what makes you think you can learn about about a dolphin by keeping a dolphin in a in a in a in a, in a, in a big pool? Because that's all that is. So I started speaking out about it, and and then then at, at that point I realized that I had become an advocate. Now, people have what I guess what they, y'all call. Well, not y'all, excuse me, but people call single issue campaigns and stuff like that. The, the 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 aspect of it that's most sensitive to me is the 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 prisons and the aquariums and the zoos because to me they all relevant. Now, as it pertains to yoga, during the time that I was imprisoned in the federal system, each day they have some type of religious service because in federal prisons, unlike state prisons, you have people from all over the world for various crimes, from white collar to blue collar to somewhere in between. And they had all kinds of religious services, Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, uh, Islam, Christianity, and then in Christianity, Catholic, Rastafarian, you name it. I would go around to the Buddhist temple and I would see these guys and they would be sitting like bent up like pretzels, as I used to call it. And they would be in almost like a trance-like state. And I used to make fun of them. Sometimes I would toss stuff in there to try to break their concentration or I would yell into the door. I was like 24 years old and I was doing silly stuff. One day, one of them approached me in the unit and started talking to me. Didn't never ask me why I was doing what I was doing to them, but just started talking to me about some of the things that they do and they believe. So I decided that I would go around into one of their meetings and I really started getting into yoga. And it was at that moment that I started realizing where I was and the plight that I actually had subjected myself to by allowing myself to be incarcerated and being distracted by the things that was going on in prison as opposed to trying to get out and get it together and get going. So bringing it together, uh, I, I learned both throughout prison. And then once I was released and I returned to society, I started doing more yoga, never actually joining an actual studio, but just doing what they call nowadays pop-up yoga. I would just connect with different instructors, different teachers, different groups. And whenever I could do yoga, I would love to do yoga. I do a lot of meditation. I don't do as much meditation today as I did a few years ago, but I still do a lot of meditation and stuff. And at some point in this journey, you decided to start redefine your mind. So when did that happen? As it pertains to the business, Again, my my enthusiasm with yoga and my passion for veganism, I decided that I already knew that I wanted to develop some type of business. I, you know, I, I was gainfully employed and working and stuff and good benefits, but you know, the American way is is having your own. I, I wanted to live the American dream. So I wanted to do something. One of the things I learned at, at a workshop that I had attended was do do what you enjoy doing. If if you don't if you don't love what you're doing, then you know you 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 probably won't be doing it long. So I decided to uh, write a book, and in the process of me writing this book, it started dawning on me that I was putting as as one of those adages go the cart before the horse. I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to become one of those ex offenders that wrote a book 
because it seems that every other person that's released from prison writes a book. So I didn't want to be one of those. I said, you know what? Make a difference in the world, and then you'll have something to write about. I'm, I wasn't like the homecoming king, or I hadn't been away at some off some some mythical journey slaying dragons, and now I've I've returned home, and I'm I'm going to receive this parade. I was committing committing violent crimes and and mayhem in society, and I was arrested, um, convicted, and sentenced to a prison term. So. There was really nothing, uh, you know, heroic about that. So I backed away from the book at that moment, and I decided to go into the retail side. And in with regard to the retail side, I started my T-shirt brand. And I got with a guy by the name of John Hines who uh, worked with me with regard to names. And when he submitted a few different names to me, and one of which was Redefine Your Mind, it just stuck with me. And I said, that's the one I'm going with. Now, in the beginning, it wasn't connecting to yoga and veganism. It was more about just changing your mindset. But I applied it to myself and said, well, how did I redefine my mind? And it was through yoga and veganism. So it just made sense. But even with regard to the yoga aspect, I still hadn't connected that part. Uh, I had stopped going to some of the veg festivals and vegetarian festivals and, and, you know, promoting my brand. Uh, the very first time I went to one of the festivals, um, I didn't know what I was doing and I crossed paths. I ended up being beside this guy. He has a company called compassion company. And I watched him. He had a couple of people at his table with him and I watched him and I was like, man, that, Hey, he's, he's saying, you know, why would I be beside him? I ain't going to never sell nothing. And the, the guy, uh, his name, uh, <laughs> Andy, 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 yeah, Andy. His name is Andy. And this guy, Andy, uh, of this company, Compassion Company, uh, he kind of was like, I, I was new. He had never seen me before. And I now that I realize he'd be around a lot. So I, all of a sudden I appear like, you know, like an alien on a spaceship. There I am. And uh, so he's kind of watched me a little bit and I was like stern to try to figure out what he was doing. So it was like, oh, he set his book down on the table. I'll sit my book down on the table and he folded his T-shirts. OK, maybe I should be folding my T-shirts. And I kind of got through that first day just watching him. And then over time, he started sharing little things with me. And uh, he and I, uh, I like to think that we've become pretty good friends outside of that. And one day I was talking to, I was online on Facebook and a woman contacted me. Her name's Nicole. And she contacted me. She thought that redefine your mind had something to do with yoga. And I had another epiphany. I said, you know what? That's the part that's missing. So instead of me marketing my, my products to vegans at, at veg festivals, I decided to streamline my demographic to focus on yogis and yoginis at veg fest that live a vegan lifestyle and promote t-shirts that feature um vegan idealism and yoga graphics on my products and is the yoga crowd typically receptive of that message well yes 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 but not nearly as abundantly as i originally thought 
I haven't, I haven't, I'm still trying to understand fully how one of the, one of the core tenements or one of the most popular uh, principles of yoga is what's called ahimsa. It's A-H-I-M-S-A, ahimsa. And it means non-violence, non-harming to any, any form of life, anything, whatever. Well, yogis and yoginis, when they, when they, enter the path of enlightenment and they reach a state where they believe that they can start to teach they acknowledge that they have embraced ahimsa but these same individuals that I would talk to the yoga instructors the yoga studio owners and enthusiastic practitioners they would they would be practicing uh yoga and they would talk about ahimsa and and being non-harming to anything but then the disconnect would be they would go and have a cheeseburger that was made from cow meat. Or they would eat the wings of a chicken. And then I would ask them, how do you do that? And, and it dawned on me that they, they didn't make the connection to all beings. It, 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 you know, there was a disconnect. So what I, what I do when I go to festivals or when I'm connecting with yoga, yoga you know, people that, that, that are live, live a yoga lifestyle, let's call it. That's one of the things that I engage them about the most. And primarily when I'm having conversations with them one-on-one like that, I find that they're, they're receptive. Most don't have a, a fundamental answer um, because there really isn't one when you, when you, when you start talking about the definition of ahimsa. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't specify who, you know, what what life form you're talking about. It says nonviolence to all beings. And unless you don't feel that other animals are, are sentient beings, then you can't deny it. So that's 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 pretty much how I got into this. So I would I would say that as as I move along and and, and as I'm starting to get a little more popular. Uh, people that live a yoga lifestyle are starting to to embrace the redefine your mind brand. And when you're doing these festivals, do you find that you're spending a lot of time explaining to the attendees what that connection is? Well, in particular, the brand is called Redefine Your Mind Vegan Active Wear. So when people come to the table, more often than not, they say, well, what do you mean vegan, vegan clothes? So I just give them a quick snippet and I say, well, our products are not made from any animal, any animal sources, no silk, no wool. And all of our products are environmentally friendly and did not come as a result of any kind of exploitation to anyone or anything. And that is the true definition of veganism. And then they say, oh, okay. Um, Now, I would like for them to say, oh, okay, I'll take two of those shirts. I would, I would love. I would like to hear that more often than I do. <laughs> at the very, at the very least, I, you know, they do walk away with a sense of understanding. A, what, what, what our brand means, and B, I'm able to get in the core definition of veganism that it's not necessarily just a diet. And I'm wondering what some of the obstacles were when you were first starting the company. Like, did you have any small business experience at that point? The only the only prior small business ownership that I had was on the street corners of the neighborhoods that I was selling drugs. <laughs> um, and so what were like some of your biggest obstacles that you encountered when you were starting this and, and trying to grow it? Well, here's what I here's what I did. 
I I took my what I would call street smarts. Now that that's subjective because depending on who you talk to, I don't know how smart I was. I got locked up, but I I, I took what some of the things I learned in the street and I applied it to the basics of business. And that is supply and demand is supply and demand. Now, your product will vary, but you have something that the public want and it's in demand and you have a means by which to supply it, then you enter that cycle. So so at its, at its basic level, I was able to find that people like T-shirts, people like to express themselves through their clothing because most people are not verbally confrontational or, or, or as willing to engage someone in conversation. So they generally try to use clothing, caps, t-shirts as, as a form of icebreaker. And, and it generates conversation. You have a t-shirt that's what they call a conversation piece. Then people tend to use it that way. So that's, that's how, that's 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 how I got started. Now, what I quickly learned, quickly learned, was doing things in a negative way, where you keeping money in a shoebox and you're not paying taxes, and you know you're dealing with people in 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 the back of cars on on a dark street at five in the morning is a far cry different than going in and sitting down at a bank and and trying to connect with people and explaining what your business is about, why you need X amount of dollars and where you plan to do it. The biggest difference is when you're living in, in, you know, that negative lifestyle, you're trying to keep people out of your business. You're trying to keep people away from you. You're trying to be as low key as possible. You don't want attention. So my biggest hurdle was trying to get beyond the, 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 the shadows of, of, the way that I used to think and realize, no, you can't be quiet. You can't be reserved. You have to be open and engaging. So I went from keeping a stoic look, uh, keeping a stoic expression to always smiling. And one of my tags, even on Instagram at uh, Derek Bay or Derek Doomy Bay Instagram, you'll find that I'm always posting pictures and it says, why am I smiling? Well, that's because at one time, I was just the opposite. Now, I thought that uh, I needed to keep a, a a certain like you know glum look on expression to I guess you know keep people at bay and you know establish myself as somebody that that shouldn't be messed with. Yeah, that definitely seems like quite a difference there. So, uh, switching gears just a little bit, at what point did you start redefine your mind? project and tell us all about it what is the redefine your mind project how is it different than the clothing line redefine your mind came first and what i did was i established my business as the redefine your mind company and once i established the business as redefine your mind company because of all the things that i plan to do with the redefine your mind brand i decided to trademark redefine your mind and under the Redefine Your Mind company are two subsidiaries. One is Redefine Your Mind Active, which we have been talking about with regard to T-shirts, products, and things. And you find those at www.redefineyourmind.com. The other subsidiary is, is, is fairly new in its operation, 
but I actually established a year ago, and it is called Redefine Your Mind Project. That Redefine Your Mind Project, once again, going back to my lifestyle and things emanating from my person, I, I wanted to found an organization that would work with youth that were that that are currently living the way I once lived. I am the youth that that I strive to reach out to. So what I do is I go to the bullies. I go to the ones who uh, have been adjudicated, the ones that are currently detained, incarcerated, living in transitional homes that have been displaced from their own residences and placed in an alternative uh, housing because for whatever reason or reasons they cannot cope or they are unable to remain where they currently are. I wanted to engage them in what's called character education, building character. And what I did was, just like the Redefine Your Mind Active brand, I incorporate veganism and yoga principles in character education teaching. So the primary thing that I deal with is leadership. So when I'm talking to youth, the first thing I tell them is, you already a leader. You already a community organizer. You just don't use those titles. But you have all of the elements of, of the, the people that society places your leaders. You already have the ability to gather people. You already have the ability to get people together for a cause. You already have the ability to lead the way and demonstrate things that would um, warrant others to follow you. Now, again, I'm not saying that what you, you're actually doing and the way you're doing it is right. This is why I'm here to talk to you. I want to be able to show you that you don't have to take away your aggressive nature. You just have to apply it in a way that's advantageous to yourself and of a benefit to the community, the environment, and all other beings. So can you actually elaborate on that a little bit more? Like what are the methods that you employ when you are trying to achieve those ends? I, when I go in, I, I start, again, the, the whole program is character education. So the first thing I do is I, I engage them by explaining to them about leadership and, and, and making the connection to leadership, what a leader, what a leader is, and the innate qualities they already possess to show them that, hey, I'm not here to give you anything. I'm only here to show you what you already have. And and that's the first thing that I do. And I, you know, I, I connect with them in that way. Once I have their attention, then I can start talking about things like when we're talking about campaigns and we're talking about activism. I talk about the prison system, but then I'm able to connect zoos. I'm able to connect aquariums and I'm able to show them that, hey. You're not the only one suffering. You have others out here suffering. But they don't have a voice. They don't, they, they're powerless to be able to do anything about it. Sometimes I might ask them, how many of y'all ever got into a fight because you was taken up for somebody else? Wasn't even your fight, but you, you, you ended up fighting a bully 
because of something somebody else did. And if I'm in a room with 10 people, generally seven of them will raise their hand. And I tell them, you know what? I'm not talking to you about anything that you don't already understand and do. Because that's what all I'm talking about doing. I'm asking you to stand up to a bully because this bully is picking on someone that can't fend for themselves. And they get it. When presented that way, it clicked. Not asking you to do anything. The difference is I'm not asking you to pick up a gun. I'm not asking you to pick up a, a bat. I need to be able to arm you, quote unquote, with the weapons necessary to be able to fight this bully. That is presentation, being able to speak, being able to speak with power, clarity, and authority, know what you're talking about, and more importantly, living the life. And, and when people, when you engage people, be able and willing to offer alternatives. You can't go to someone and tell them you don't want them to do something, but don't have anything as an alternative to offer. So, you know, we, we're not going to go and we're not going to start burning, burning, you know, uh, carry outs. We're not going to start burning their stores down or, you know, hitting them over the head when they coming out the store at night. You know, we, we, that's, that's not the way we're going to go about it. What we will do is, is educate them by letting them know that, hey, we're going to educate this community around here and you're going to do one or two things. You're going to be forced to change the things on your menu or you'll pick up shop and you'll open up business somewhere else because you won't be able to make money selling what you're currently selling around here. And so you said with that approach that it's been really successful, I'm wondering, have you encountered people that are still really resistant despite your approach or do you feel like that it's nearly universally successful? Well, I, I've never I've never encountered anything that was universally successful. I will say that there is resistance, but the resistance is not because they can't relate. The resistance is more about weakness. You know, you, you get the basic ones that say, well, I, 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 I like chicken, man. Chicken is good. So that's where the alternatives come in. That's where you have to be able to, to, to show them that, hey, really, really, you know, flesh don't really have a taste. It's the seasonings and, and the way that it's prepared that you like. It's not actually the taste. Now, sometimes I'll, depending on the age group, I'll make it, I'll make it, I'll make it fun. I'll make it challenging. So if I'm talking to a group that say that that's um that's faith-based, and 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 many times in urban communities, I'm talking to people that have adopted Islam. Or they may be fundamentally Christian or Pan-Africanist with a Christian base. I'll ask them, I'll say, okay, are you telling me that you should be eating animals because God ordained it? They'll say, yeah, yeah, I can show you in the Bible. I can show you in the Quran. And then I'll say, okay, but then why don't you eat those animals the way God ordained? God didn't make frying pans and stoves and forks and knives. God didn't make cages and, and coops and, and branding irons and stun guns. God didn't make any of those. God gave every life form the ability to use his or her natural body to sustain his or herself. So if you're telling me that you can't live without a hamburger, don't 
don't don't don't go to the store where they've taken instruments and butchered a cow. Just bite one. And 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 when you say it that way, then they you know they get they most of them get stuck. And they start saying things like, oh, no, nah, I wouldn't do nothing like that. Why? You said that's the way God wanted you to eat the animal. Don't make sense, though, do it. Don't make sense for you to chase a chicken around and bite a chicken through the feathers and be spitting feathers and stuff out. Don't make much sense if you try to do something like that. Do it. That's, that, 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 that's barbaric, isn't it? And, and then you have their attention. And you tell them that, you know, you, what, what happens is, we as a society, we've put all of these things together to make ourselves believe that the things that we're doing, we're entitled to do it. But really what we did was we created camouflages to what we really doing. That, 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 that cactus in the desert is a cactus. It is not a water fountain. It's an illusion. You're, you're eating a dead animal. You're no different than a buzzard or a hyena or any one of those scavengers. And, and many of them, because of these youth, they, they, uh, the, one of the popular sayings is, you know, I live that life or I keep it real or I keep it 100. And I do just that. When I talk to them, I don't use language that, that goes right over their heads. But at the same time, I don't dumb it down so much that I, that I'm not able to challenge them to elevate their thinking and elevate their manner of speaking either. So it's a delicate balance. And I'm curious about the response from the outside community. Do you find that you get a lot of support for the work that you're doing? I do. And most people are, 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 here, 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 here's where, where frustration of mindset in. The people that I thought would, would, would be most um, receptive and willing to assist me haven't been. And those, those are vegans. They, they haven't been receptive. They haven't been willing to to assist me. The people that have been willing to assist me have been the people that are not vegan, the people that don't apply yoga principles to their life, non-harming, um, law, you know, right speech, right knowledge, the eightfold path. The, the people that don't live that way have been the ones that's been willing to help me, and I've been resistant to having them help because. It, it, it contradicts what we're doing. It's going to be hard for you to teach these youth about alternative um, uh, dietary options and and advocating for um, you know leadership and, and campaigning and stuff if you yourself not living that way. So that's that that's an issue. But the ones who I would have thought would would have been willing to you know, you know, say, hey, you know, let me know how I can help. Let me know, you know, let me know what I can do. Haven't been willing to do so. You know, everybody's been too busy, which I'm not surprised about because the demographic that I target, who are youth that have been adjudicated again and, and you know, in transitional homes or detention centers, uh, that if the information about veganism isn't even reaching them. Now, you have information that's reaching urban communities, and that's been fairly recent. But as it pertains to that community that no one wants to talk about, and that is the incarcerated population, the information not reaching them. 
So that's that's what redefine your mind projects mission is. We want to go inside and reach that population because at some point those juveniles will return to the communities and they will walk and they will live and they will eat and they will work amongst us. So if I can arm them and empower them with information that again will be advantageous to themselves and us and be a benefit to the to the environment and to other animals then that's what that's what we we're set out to do even if I have to do it by myself now I don't because uh my associate Demetria Plunkett has been right there at my side the whole time and she's been nothing short of phenomenal in the way that she's picked up on what I'm doing, she's very new to veganism herself. She is what uh, is called in mentoring a credible messenger in that she has her own story to tell um, with regard to, you know, the life that she lived and things that went on in her home, things that have happened to her. And uh, she's a very strong and resilient woman. And I am happy to have her on board to assist with working with the young girls that are in detention centers. Because Redefine Your Mind Project is not just about the boys, about the girls, too. But because in mentoring, you generally don't want to cross match. I don't want to work with girls, and she shouldn't be working with boys. There's another woman that's that's not, I wouldn't say she's on our team, but she certainly made herself very available, and that is Krista Verastro. She's out in Baltimore, and she is connected to One World, um, excuse me, a welfare world with Don Moncrief. But Krista is also a licensed therapist and drama therapy teacher. So when we get to a point where we want to do workshops with drama therapy, She's made herself available to be able to come in and do workshops, particularly with Demetria. And so workshops are on the horizon. What else do you have coming up? What are you working on? What's going to be next for Redefine Your Mind project or clothing or whatever it is? What's what's next for you? Well, um, as it pertains to 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 active Redefine Your Mind active, we will continue to expand the brand and uh, continue to look for ways to connect to both the vegan community and the yoga community. Uh, having meeting meeting uh, meeting the demand for products that would allow for people that that love to do yoga to uh, do their practice and at the same time be able to promote their idealism, which is uh, a vegan lifestyle, um, in a way that. Uh, elicits conversation. As for project, Redefine Your Mind project, we're hoping to be able to expand to having social enterprises, uh, namely two programs that we're currently developing curricula for that will allow for youth, once they're released, to be able to come aboard and take pre-apprenticeship programs and hopefully through funding and, and, and support we will be able to have be able to give them stipends while they're going to school, and they will be able to um, 
go abroad and go into the field of information technology. I believe that information technology and redefine your mind uh, goes together. So uh, that's that's what we plan to do with regard to project. One of the one of the of uh, of fundamentals, um, one of the fundamental principles of redefine your mind is changing your mindset. One of the 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 the, the the courses that you will take in the curriculum is leadership training, and the other one would be a campaign as as it pertains to zoos, aquariums, and um, animal exploitation. Very cool. Well, so as we wrap up, for those that are wanting to follow your work in the future, what social media do you have, websites, any outlets that you would direct people towards so they can stay up to date on everything that you are up to? Well, for re- for the Redefine Your Mind brand, uh, you, we have Redefine Your Mind. Again, that's www.redefineyourmind.com. Uh, and uh, we're also on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And we're on Pinterest. As it pertains to Redefine Your Mind Project, we have just begun um, developing uh, the web applications for Redefine Your Mind Project. But you can go to Redefine Your Mind Active, and there's a tab, a link, that would link you directly to Project. So um, there's a link there. Or you can go to www.rymproject.org, either one. But right now, you know, again, we're, we're building the website and the applications. As for myself, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Derek Bay, D-E-R-R-I-C-K. Last name is spelled B-E-Y. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. And you can find me on Twitter as Derek Bay underscore R-Y-M. Right on. Well, Doomy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today. I really appreciate this. This, is, this has been great, Andy. Oh, by the way, listeners, uh, Andy is the same Andy from Compassion Company that I was talking about. <laughs> helped me and helped redefine your mind when we came along. I am forever grateful to you for what you've done. I had really, if there was a path, if it wasn't so crowded in there and there had been just a sliver of an of a opening of a path, I was ready to pack up and leave. I just didn't feel that I was cut out for it. I said, you know what, this is not working. I'm going back around the way. Thank you for thank you for extending yourself to me. I'm not surprised at all that you invited me to come on to the show. You've been helpful like that. Thank you so much. Well, it is absolutely my pleasure to get you on. I'm glad we reconnect. I'm I'm very grateful that we were placed next to each other at the Animal Rights Conference so long ago. So, uh, yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to do this. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. So we hope you enjoyed that interview with Derek Dooby Bay, um, Andy. Love that man. <laughs> a, beac- I mean, a beacon he's of light. He's the type of person that just makes you feel so like welcomed whenever you see him. He's just so enthusiastic. He's so I- inquisitive about how you're doing and what's going on in your life. And he's he's really just such a positive presence in my life that um, it's always such a pleasure to see him at events. Yeah. No, I, I feel exactly the same way. And that's why I was so excited when I did not know that he was going to be, that Redefine Your Mind was going to be at that vegan mac and cheese festival. So it was like a little treat for me. Yeah, a little, little bonus, a little, little bonus. bonus treat. 
So, yeah. So the name of the company is Redefine Your Mind. And, you know, we probably should mention this earlier on, but there's actually been like some big developments with Redefine Your Mind. And that in the interview, he mentions uh, Dimitri Punk or also Meaty. Uh, Meaty is actually like taken over the clothing aspect of Redefine Your Mind. That's like officially her thing now. Uh, and they are, of course, still doing all the other work that is mentioned in the episode. But I, I like this concept of redefining your mind. And I find that like finding some sort of mantra to chant over and over again is a really good way to sort of shift your your frame of mind, shift your mindset, Paul. Mm-hmm. And for me, the one that has been the most effective over the last three years is to just chant the following seven words. We are the Bearded Deacon signing off. As we bring back Doomy Bay. Mm. Ooh, Paul. As we bring. I'm, you're going to have to edit this one, Andy, because I'm not doing that in again. <laughs> I just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about the commentist because what? <laughs> <laughs> because the bearded vegans podcast is a part is a part of the commentist network and andy where can you find the commentist network well why paul you can find the commentist network at the commentist.com c-o-m-m-e-n-t-i-s-t.com how do you spell dot com dot com <laughs> <laughs> Um, go to so check out the commentist. Uh, you can listen to our show um, on the, on the commentist website as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find out a bunch of, about a bunch of and you can find out about a bunch of other great shows such as Roll to Hit, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and the Unwind, which is a tech podcast. And you can even leave comments on our individual episodes on the commentist network. And tell us how much you love us. <laughs>